with him. And last week, the founder of V3, uh, who Jerome's been working with for years, was Zach. And he preached a great sermon for us last week on the vision is Jesus. Did you enjoy Zach last week? Yes, he did a great job. Great job. And uh, he really painted a beautiful picture of what is so compelling about the worldview of Jesus. The, the bridging of the gap is where you find peace, is where you find hope. And so if you missed that, go find it on the YouTube channel or on one of our uh, podcast channels and, and catch up on that because it's an important piece of the puzzle. It's an important uh, foundation uh, as you think about what your life looks like in this cultural moment, right? Because if you look at the past several months in our country and you think about everything that we've walked through, what we see right now happening in front of us as the pendulum swings back and forth between red and blue and this and that is that at the end of the day, none of those things deliver on their promises. And the, the rhetoric and the, oh, I'm going to stop, all the things, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Just give me a nod behind your mask, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? And then you add in the things that are going on in your life that you face every day and the challenges that are there and you are quickly brought to this place that I believe the rest of our world is quickly approaching is that this, (laughs) this doesn't work. And so it's in that moment that we as the body of Christ, the hands, the feet, the mouthpiece of Jesus Step into that moment and what kind of faith do we have to offer the world? Because ultimately, what has changed your life is to be shared. Right? The gospel itself is actually news, right? The gospel, the word gospel means good news, So it's not just a thing, it's not just a holy huddle, it's news. It's news, it's on our wall that we share good news. Because when you find out that God loves you, and Zach did a beautiful job last week of laying that out for you, you can't help but share. And so it begs the question, if if I won't share... Has it really been that good of news for me? And so I want to lean in and keep pressing in on that and, and really take where Zach went and put the second foot in there and think about what, is, what does that mean for me? Because these, these will be on the screen for you. If Jesus is the vision, okay, and if you're taking notes or you have a, a worship guide somewhere, these notes are, are there for you. Or if you're watching online, you can get them on the version. Bible app. And by the way, if you're taking notes in the room, we have journals that you can get and keep them in. Redeemer journals. So uh, shameless plug there from the preacher. Um, But if Jesus is the vision, right? And, And some of those key phrases that Zach talked about last week were these, right? The hope of glory. 
Think about that. If Jesus is the vision and, and there is actually a hope of glory, what does that do to me? See, because that kind of news, if it's true, changes things. It has to. If there's a God in heaven who stepped out of heaven and wrapped himself in human flesh so that you and I could be made right with this holy God and in turn have the chance to be right with each other, love God and love neighbor, if that's actually possible, Things change, right? And so it leads us to that that next place of, of sharing that, right? That next phrase is, it's Him we proclaim, right? We don't proclaim a building. We don't proclaim a trend. We don't proclaim anything but a person. Jesus. And so if Jesus is the vision, what we come to in Colossians chapter 2, I want to break into two different parts and we'll see how far we get. And if we don't, we'll come back next week. Fair enough? So as you're thinking through Jesus being your vision, I want you to think about something as we dive in is that your life, your story is different from everybody else's in this room. And there's good reason for that. God doesn't make mistakes. He's numbered the hairs on your head the bible says he sings over you that he knew you from the before the foundations of the earth incredible things but every single one of us has three parts to our story and you are somewhere in these three parts the first part is the construction of your story the construction of your worldview the way you were brought up what you went through growing up, how you experienced church as a child, as an adolescent. You have a a construction story, but how many of you know that all of us hit a certain point, and it's different for each of us, different age for each of us, where we come to that existential question, what am I here for? (laughs) Is all of these things I grew up with, true. So for my story, I grew up in church. I think I was born at church. Can I get an amen from the religious people in the room? <laughs> There's a few of you. <laughs> That's my story. That's the way I was constructed. I was brought up in the church. But how many you know it was a certain kind of church? And it shaped who I am. I was talking with one of my best friends from when I was growing up and then we went to college together and now that him and his wife live in Colorado is what they say. I'm not a believer in that. I think it's Colorado, like normal people. So if you're from Colorado, sorry. But um, just a personal thing. Indulge me for a minute. But uh, Brian, if you're watching, sorry. But we were chatting about that and just chatting about the way we grew up and we were having a good time looking back at certain things and being like, man... <laughs> That was weird, <laughs> right? Like just these, these like different things that shaped us growing up. And some of them were funny, but some of them were not, right? Some of them you look back and you're like, wow, like that had a profound impact 
on not just the first part of our story, which is the construction part, but many of us, all of us at some point or another come and we ask those questions about the faith that was given to us and we begin to deconstruct it. Your story goes through these phases of construction and then you hit that point where you have to decide for yourself if that faith is yours or if it was just given to you. And we begin to own it and we begin to deconstruct why do I believe the things I believe? Why do my parents teach me the things they teach me? Is that what this book actually says? Never forget some of the things. And I have great parents. My dad has preached here. My mom is amazing. I love them. And they will be back again. But we are all shaped by our story. And I don't know where you are either, but maybe the way you were brought up, you've come to that point. Maybe you're even now in that mode of deconstructing. Why do I believe what I believe? What is it about this book and this God that separates him from every other religious option that's out there and seems to be doing at least some good and some bad in the world? And that would be true for those of us that claim Jesus because we're not Jesus. Amen. So we're, we're in this construction, deconstruction. And all of us face that. And, and honestly, I would just say to you, if you're in that place, just go there. Just go there and ask the questions. Because here's what I can promise you is that this book has been timeless. This book has stood the test of time. This book has good answers. And even if you don't understand it at the beginning, if you will search, the Bible says, if you seek me, you will find me if you search for me with all your heart. You see, because I don't think the, I don't think the actual problem that our culture has with Jesus in the Bible is one of science, is one of history. I don't think that's the problem. It's one of lordship. Am I making sense? You want to know why Christians struggle with Jesus, even though we believe in Jesus, because it's a lordship issue. <laughs> I want to be the boss of my life. You want to know why your preacher um, can get up here and tell you this stuff and go home and fail at parenting and fail at marriage? And Because I'm not Jesus either. I could diatribe on that for a long time, but that's not the point. What I'm saying to you is you have a story of, that is constructed through your upbringing. And as an adult or as a teenager or as a college student or wherever you find yourself, you will begin to deconstruct what you've been through. And then the final phase of that as you come into adulthood and live the rest of your life is you will begin to reconstruct the life through your lens of how you want to live. You hear all these stats about the nuns and the people who are walking away from religion and walking away from the church and done with everything there is to do with church. And I would just say, listen, the experience you had in construction doesn't change who God is. So as you deconstruct what you were brought up in, I would encourage you to ask the questions. To go there. But don't fall short of really digging in and finding the answers. Because they are there. But so many of us stop short of that because our problem is not actually with the God of the Bible. It's with the presentation of the God of the Bible that we were constructed with. Am I making sense? 
more philosophy. I'm sorry. But it's important because as you look at the things that Zach told you last week and as we go here this morning and look at what the picture of a mature Christian is, you're going to be tempted like me to go, I've heard that so many times and it just doesn't happen. And I just want to beg you again, just like every week that I get up here, to just turn your vision up. Because that's where you will find what you're looking for. And so, whether you're in the room or whether you're watching online or whether you watch this five years from now on YouTube, I don't know. But what I do know is that for all of time, people have had the same problems and sought the same answers. And they have always only been satisfactory in the same place. And so we will all wrestle with the deconstruction of our story and what happened to us. But I would just encourage you that as you begin to reconstruct those things, that there's a God who loves you, who is a good father, and who will be there with you and for you. And so... As we turn into Colossians chapter 2, if you have a Bible, you can meet me there. Uh, what we see right off the bat is, so a guy named Paul, the Apostle Paul or St. Paul, depending on your tradition, uh, wrote this letter under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In other words, God breathed this message through him, through him and into his pen to go to the church. And here we are, thousands of years later, receiving this letter from Paul, and so he kicks off chapter 2, and so he's gone through all of chapter 1 and the glorious mountaintops that we've been to. And he comes down to this place, and if you're taking notes, you'll see there are three prayers for the church. And I just want to, I want to take it a step farther than that and say three prayers for Redeemer City Church. And I want you to write these down because these are the three things that you're going to say, I've heard these before. I really have. I've heard these before, but is it really possible? Is it really possible? Look at Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. It says this, For I want you to know, this is Paul speaking, how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea, which was just a neighboring city, and for all who have not seen me face to face. And here it is, he's got three prayers for the church. That their heart may be encouraged. If you're taking notes, that's number one. We're a people with encouraged hearts. If the construction of your faith journey and story is one that does not include encouraged hearts and joy, then you did not experience the full extent of what God has for his people. And that's not his fault, that's our fault. A people with encouraged hearts. He, Paul is in prison, struggling, he's saying, as he writes these things down, thinking about the people in Colossae. And he says, listen, I am struggling for you that you would be encouraged in your heart. Like at a heart level, encouragement. He keeps going, being knit together in love. What great language. 
that as you're encouraged, that your heart is encouraged by the Lord, that you would be knit together to a people in love. What does it look like to be knit with a people? Relationship, commitment, surrender. That's number two. A people with encouraged hearts, a people knit together in love because number three is true. Look at what he says here. He says, knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Which is Christ. Jesus is the arrival of all that you want and need. Everything else flows out of that, because what does he say? That his prayer is that we would be a people with a full understanding of the treasure that Jesus is. Why do we talk about this every single week? Because every single week you need to be reminded of the goodness of God. Because every week we live all week long and we're working on our version of life and what we have in front of us. And we're building our kingdom and we come back and we gather together because we have to be reminded that it is actually apart from Jesus we can do nothing. And don't be fooled by what you have accomplished. Because it will not deliver what you're looking for. And so this is the place that we are. And this is the place that we find. And if you have been a Christian for any length of time. Or if you grew up in church. Or whatever your story is. I know that you've heard those things before. But I want to suggest to you that as you begin to reconstruct your story in this day and age and as you look around at what's happening in the world and recognizing that it's not going to give you what you want, that you would come back to this place and know that there is a treasure in Jesus that nothing else can give you. But it's not going to come from church attendance. It's not going to come from doing stuff. It's going to come from falling in love. With Jesus, and that will take time because every good relationship takes time. Am I making sense? Encouraged heart. That sounds good. We'll like that tomorrow. <laughs> Knit together in love. What, what if there was a people? Why do we do city groups? Not so you can grow in all kinds of knowledge. We do city groups so that you could be knit together with some group of people in love. That when something happens in your life, there are people this close to come and be with you. Because that's real life. It's real life. And so, let's ask this question, how do we get there? Right? Because that's ultimately, like, like, we can present the philosophy, we can present the theology, we can give you the doctrine, and all of that can be great. But if you can't get from here, look at me, here to here, we've wasted our time. True? Because Jesus said, knowledge puffs up, right? It just, more knowledge just goes through our head. and makes us think we're awesome. <laughs> we've all been there. But no, 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 when, when we have an encounter with a living God, that's when things change. 
That's when things change. And so I want to convince you today that whatever the obstacle is in front of you for believing that this can be possible, I want you to know that Jesus has already overcome it and he's willing to do that in your life, but you'll have to surrender to the things that he's called you to do. There is freedom from the sin you're struggling with. There is love in relationships if you'll go there. But these things aren't real unless we'll do the things that God has called us to do. So how do we get there? Write this down, and then we're going to read some more verses here. But the way we get there is through the gospel. It's through that same news. It's through the gospel. The good news that brought you to faith is the same news that will sanctify you. I want you to write that down because I want you to sit with that this week because that's where the rubber meets the road is that oftentimes we climb the ladder of faith and we get to that to the top of that ladder and we go, wow, look at the view. Jesus loved me. And then we kick the ladder out from under us and act like we don't ever need it again, like we'll never sink back down to the bottom. No, 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 that's not what the scripture says here. If you look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, here's where he goes. So he says, all of those things, these treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Jesus, this knit together in love, all those things are incredible. But in verse 6, a big key word, therefore, a fun little thing for you. Anytime you see a therefore in the Bible, you ask what it's. Therefore, you're welcome. Just revolutionized your Bible study. (laughs) But listen to this. If those things are true, and the fact that you're sitting here today means you probably at some level think they're true, at least intellectually, even if you haven't experienced them. If those things are true, therefore, listen to this, don't miss this. Because this is what I think the greatest struggle in 21st century United States of American Christianity is. Are you paying attention? (laughs) Online? Listen to this. As you received Christ. As you received Christ Jesus the Lord. Notice it always says, the Lord. (laughs) So walk in Him. That's it. That, that is the key that will unlock every part of the Christian faith for you. As you receive Christ as Lord, walk in Him. Verse 7 will expand that and it says, Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. As you received Christ, walk in Him. The answer to the objections to the Christian faith don't lie in the things of this world. The answers to the objections of the Christian faith, even for those of us that are Christians and just can't get past the humps that we're facing, the obstacles in our way, is always comes back to this same thing. 
every single time. Surrendering to Jesus as Lord of your life. Every single time. Because here's the reality. In these pages, the Bible says of itself, and it has proven true, is everything you need for life and godliness. Every single thing. Every single thing. Paul would tell Timothy, his understudy, the guy he was launching into ministry, the guy he was training, and he would write Timothy two letters, and he he would tell Timothy that every word of this book is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction. You have everything you need in Jesus and his word. You have all of it. So why, so why don't we have it? Why, why do we know that, but we, don't, but we don't have that? The same reason we struggle in all of our relationships. It's the same reason the divorce rate is 50% or higher, both in the church and out of the church. Why is that? Because it's relationship. Why do I struggle with Jesus? Relationship. Why do I struggle with you? Why do you struggle with me? Relationship. Lack of what? Communication. Again, it's the Lord idea. God has a way. Literally, when Jesus was walking on the earth, they didn't have a name for what he was doing. <laughs> and they would just say, it's that Jesus and their, his followers of, and they would literally call it, the way. <laughs> There's a way. Jesus would say that the way is narrow that leads to life. Broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many people are on that road. That's what Jesus would say. And so what's really super difficult from the beginning of time, even Adam and Eve in the garden, we have wrestled with that same problem for all of time. I want to do it my way. And Jesus says you'll never be satisfied doing it your way. And he loves you enough to not allow you to do it your way. Those three prayers give us this blueprint of what a mature Christian looks like. You see, because if I begin to do things God's way, if I follow the ways of Jesus, where I love my neighbor as myself, where I pick up my cross and follow him, If I begin to do these things, right? Jesus said, if you will lay down your life, you'll actually find it. But how many of us, we are grasping on for dear life to the world that we've built. And I just want to say, if you aren't already in that deconstruction phase, let's go. Let's get in there and let's dig around and let's figure out what's going on in the soils of our heart. And let's figure out who am I and who is Jesus and why am I doing this? Most of my illustrations are from kids because that's my whole life right now. I've got three kids. But it's so much fun when they are learning how to walk because they don't know how and they just try, right? And they fall and they try and they fall. They try and they fall. And even when we adopted our, our son Malachi, he wears leg braces sometimes and will walk with forearm canes. I'll never forget the first time he put his, put his little braces on and walked without canes. And it was super difficult, but he did it. And it's just like, just like celebration, right? Because like, it's, like, it's like what wasn't can be. 
And I just want to say to you, like, we're, we're like that, that the same way that you came to Christ, if you lose the mesmerization and the awe of the goodness of God, you will, you will fall. But God will be there. Because make no mistake about it, you have an enemy who doesn't want you to walk. You have an enemy who does not want you to walk. The Bible says he walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. That's not a joke. The devil would love to, look at these next verses, look at verse 8. See to it that no one takes you what? What's the word? Captive. By philosophy and empty deceit, according to the human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, not according to Christ. Was your construction story brought up in the traditions of humans, religion, legalism? The Bible would say to you, make sure that you're not captive to that. Maybe you're on the other side of the fence and it's the elemental spirits of the world. The Bible would tell you, make sure you're not captive to that. Just because somebody says it loudly and long enough and on the news enough and on Instagram enough and on Facebook enough does not mean that it's true. We go back to the book. We go back to what God said and we measure things by what has stood the test of time, not what has come in the last month, two months, six months, year. We're talking for all of time. Don't be captive to that. You know, it's not always that Satan brings a baseball bat and hits you over the head. It would be enough for you to just be caught in the religion of doing more and trying harder and never arriving at where you want to be. That would be enough. That would be enough that we would just come in this place and we would just do the things or you'd watch online or whatever the case may be. Like, that's not Christianity. It's not. Christianity is an encounter with the living God who takes over as Lord of your life and nothing is ever the same. That's Christianity, and that faith is worth sharing with the world. If they just want a concert, go down to Emily Arena next year. If you want to have a you know a good time, you can go to Ebor. You can do it. You can do whatever you want. But if you want hearts that are encouraged for the long haul. If you want people who will actually love you for you and who God's made you and not use you, it's in the church. If you want to understand the fullness and richness of God, it's the long-term relationship with Jesus and his people that will give you the thing that you're looking for. could dive into a lot of that but i want to just land in this place because here's the deal no matter where you're at in your story the answer to every phase of that story is the same it comes at the end of the passage here 
for us today in Colossians 2. Look at verses 11 to 13. It says this, In Him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. In other words, the Bible says elsewhere, it says, when you come to Christ, old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. You literally become a new person. Verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him, Jesus, from the dead. And you, here it is, you, just put your name there, and Mitch, and put your name there. It's powerful. You who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all of our trespasses, canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. We're going we're gonna to celebrate Good Friday and Easter coming up. This is why. This is why for thousands of years, millions and billions of people have set aside these two days and given their entire life to it for thousands of years because only one thing in the history of time has ever delivered on the things that this claims to deliver. But what does that have to do with you right now? When you move that from the clouds of theology and study and intellectual What does that have to do with you tomorrow or tonight when you're struggling with sin, when you're struggling with a neighbor, when you're struggling at work, when you don't seem to see your purpose in life? How does it help you then? Look at the next verse. Verse 15. If all that's true, this is your reality. Verse 15. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame By triumphing over them in him. And next week we're going to look at all the ways we do that, right? Like let no one pass judgment on you. All all those things we're going to talk about next week. but, but But at its basic level as you are constructing, deconstructing, and reconstructing your story. This is a huge piece of it that you actually tomorrow in Christ and with his people can overcome whatever is right in front of you. That, that it, is, it is actually the thing. But listen to me. If Jesus isn't Lord, you don't do it his way, and you won't let people in on it, you will not find freedom. You picking up what I'm laying down? <laughs> I said all of that to get you to this point. Jesus disarmed and overthrew the giant that is in your life right now. Whether it's sin or relationship or whatever it is, all of those things, God's already defeated them, already won. We sang a song, you are my champion. Why? Why am, I don't feel like God's my champion, because you haven't surrendered to the way of Jesus. Because I'm telling you, for all of us that have experienced it, and now we don't always do it, <laughs> but for all of us that have done it, If you will surrender to the lordship of Jesus and do things his way and let the people of God in on it, you will find freedom.
you will 100% find freedom. But you have to be willing to do the things that God has called you to do. That's why Jesus will say, if you'll give up your life, you'll find it. That's why 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sin, God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Because he canceled it. He went to the cross and died in your place. But the rubber meets the road in James chapter 5, where the Bible says, if you confess your sins one to another, there you will find healing. Right? It, it all is part of the same fabric. What is it called? Being knit together in love. Who's love? It's not a thing. Who is it? God. God is love. So we love God. We share good news. Our vision up. Then vision in. God comes in and declares that good news in your life. Then being knit together in love, we turn and look with Jesus at the world and we serve our city. So many of us are doing that backwards. We're trying to serve and, and share the good news, but we are not in love with God. Listen, we don't do city groups and regen and leadership academy and women's event today. Shameless plug. You should go if you're a lady. All right? Um, growth track. APES test. We don't, we don't do all of those things just to give you stuff to do. I got plenty to do. You got plenty to do. No, no, no. We, don't, we, don't, we do those things because there's freedom in Christ. And if you'll surrender to the ways of Jesus, you'll find freedom. Repetition is the key to learning. So I keep saying it over and over and over again, because this is the thing that we need.